0: Our podcast has been rated in the top one-half percent of all podcasts in the world by ListenNotes.com, so you know your message will be heard. Now, here is your host with today's interview, Pastor Bob Thibodeau.
1: Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads podcast today. We're so blessed that you're joining us. Today, I am thrilled to introduce a truly inspiring guest who's embraced the power of social media to transform her business and reach basically unprecedented heights of success. For over 30 years, our guest, Lorraine Duncan, worked hand-in-hand with her husband, diligently running their family business. They tirelessly employed traditional networking and relationship-building methods to connect with potential clients. However, everything changed when Lorraine discovered the immense potential of social media. The world just opened up before her eyes as she realized the incredible ease with which she could forge meaningful connections with thousands upon thousands of prospective clients, all from the comfort of her own home. It was a game changer that revolutionized her approach to business and set her on a path to to new and unimaginable achievements. But Lorraine's story doesn't end there. Beyond her entrepreneurial endeavors, she has devoted a, a significant portion of her life to missionary work through her church. For more than seven years, she held the esteemed role of woman's ministry director, guiding and empowering women within her community. And her heart for service took her to far-flung places like Belize and Kenya, where she played a pivotal role in building a school, overseeing the operations of an orphanage, even establishing a sports camp, praise God. Furthermore, Lorraine took on the admirable task of teaching and mentoring women leaders, empowering them with the knowledge and skills needed to make a lasting difference in their own communities. Today, we have the blessing of delving into Lorraine Duncan's extraordinary journey, a story that demonstrates the power of embracing new technologies while staying grounded in the values of service and compassion. Join us as we uncover the secrets to her astounding success and glean invaluable insights that can transform our own lives and businesses, get ready to be inspired as we dive into the fascinating world of Lorraine Duncan, a true trailblazer in business, community service, and the art of building lasting connections in our digital age. Help me welcome to the program, Lorraine Duncan. Lorraine, it is such a blessing to have you on the program today.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Amen. Now, the first question I always ask is this. Other than that brief information I just shared, can you tell us in your own words, who is
2: Lorraine Duncan? Ah, she's a lot of different people, (laughs) but, um, you know, basically I'm, I, I always say I'm just a gal from Norwalk, Connecticut, and, you know, I'm just like everybody else. I just have certain passions, different passions. And I love one of the big things that you didn't mention. I'm an extreme extrovert. So I love just talking to people, meeting people. And I think that's what makes me really good at what I do or whatever leadership role I have, or even team role I have. I'm always, I'm a, I'm a great support person. And one of the big things just, I love to do is just connect. I'm a big, super connector. Amen. So, I mean, and, um, One thing I do want to say is I just, I love coming from a place of service. And I think for everybody out there, if you come from a place of service, you will get back multitudes and it's not always monetary. It's not always something tangible, but it's, you know, you know, those people are going to be there. You you just, it's just the, what is it? The gift of um, reciprocity, you know, it just happens
1: amen amen well before we jump into the use of social media share with us some of the life-changing experiences you had in your missionary work I mean what was it like the first time you went on a missions trip
2: Funny you asked that I um so I mean I'd like to start back a little bit because I was before I got into missionary work and I was not a believer I always I I heard this song. I don't want to go to Africa. I don't want to be there. Uh, you know, it was it was sung by some Christian artist. And I was like, "Oh yeah, I never want to go overseas. I have no desire to go overseas." And so the first year our church was hosting these missionary trip this missionary trip to Belize, my husband and and my son went. And I used the excuse. Now, I could have gotten somebody to babysit, but I used the excuse of, I have to stay home with the little ones. And then when I said that one more time, when somebody asked me why I didn't go, they said, oh, we'll watch the kids for you. (laughs) So here you go. The following year, I went on my first ever missionary trip. And I had this big list of all the things I was going to do for God. Huge agenda. And God had different plans for me. (laughs) And what he basically did was everything that, because I'm a planner, I'm a rule follower. I like, you know, literally he changed my perspective on that really quickly by our bus to pick us up at the church never showed. Oh, wow. And through that, I learned quick thinking on how are we going to solve these problems? And I wasn't even the leader of that particular trip, but literally Nothing happened the way it should. And so, but wonderful things happened because why? There was no human effort in it. It was all God. It was God's trip. It was God's mission. And um, I I could tell you so many stories about, but the one that sticks out on one of my many trips to Belize was that we were driving around and we decided to go visit this family. And we visited this family and we realized they had no food. There's nothing. We all saw it, but we didn't say anything to each other. And then we were heading back to where we were staying. And one of the leaders said, you know, I got this thing in my heart that's going on. I feel like we should go to a store and buy this family food. And at all of us were thinking the same thing. We were all, it was very dead quiet in the car until he said something. And I'm so glad he said something, but it was a God thing because he put that on all of our hearts, you know? And we just happened, we were lucky because we had happened to have money with us. Where usually when we're going on some trips, I forget why we were in that area anyways, besides stopping in and seeing that family. But literally we bought food for them. And it it's just like, so what we, we coined the term missions happens on the way because it really does. And that could work for anything. You know, your daily grind here in the United States or overseas, there's always someone that you can help or a smile or a word of encouragement that you could give to somebody.
1: Yeah. Amen. Amen. You know, I always recommend it. You know, I call them young adults, you know, the the elder teenagers, you know, 17, 18, 19. Just before leaving for college, I recommend, you know, you need to go ahead and spend at least two weeks on a mission trip to a third world country. I mean, I believe it helps them to realize just how blessed we truly are in this land when you see how everyone else is living type thing, you know, Mm -hmm. and, you know, I I don't know the accuracy. I'm pretty sure it's accurate. They said something along the lines of, you know, the poorest people in America would live like kings over in some of these nations. You know, I mean, I only make $600 a month on social security. Some of these people make a dollar a day or less in some of these nations. I mean, you know, that's
2: absolutely. You know, um, one of the, yeah, absolutely. One of the things that I saw and it broke my heart was I went to an orphanage and we did some work in this orphanage and this was in Belize. And I have never seen something in my whole entire life. And I know that if that orphanage was in the United States, probably would not exist because yeah. it just was poor conditions. Um, it was just sad. And and I realized that when you see something like that, you really do realize how blessed you are.
1: Yep. Amen. Amen. Have you been able to stay in touch and revisit these places where you help with your mission work?
2: Yeah. So for Belize, we did, we were in and out of there 11 years. Um, and you had stated earlier about that every high schooler should go on a missions trip. Mm-hmm. My my kids started at eight. Mm-hmm. So we brought them with us. We started bringing them with us. I should say my son, Robert, he was the youngest, he was eight. And I think what that, whenever like we'd get into this little tidbit of I need this or want this is I could always say, well, you know, the kids in Belize don't have this. It's like, I think you'll live without it. They live without it. Yeah. But we realize the other thing we, the important thing we realize is that we have, you know, like when we're out of power for a week or we don't, you know, we have a storm and it, met, and th- and that's devastating when there's a storm and it takes our house away. That's totally different. But what I'm saying is, is that we, we really don't realize until we're over. I, I remember being out of power a lot when I was in Nairobi and in fact, all of our blow dryers went for the, we just stopped bringing blow dryers to, <laughs> <laughs> to, to Nairobi because it, it just, it didn't work. And, but I realized how blessed we are. I mean, then I'm able to have a roof over my head and windows like glass windows. On my win, on my window panes, <laughs> you know those. It's just amazing. But I, yeah. yeah, I keep in touch with a few people, and um, on each missions trip. I mean, I even did a little missions trip to New Orleans, which was in the states, and I keep in touch with some of those people too.
1: Yeah, amen, amen. You talk about you know remembering what you have and and what other people are lacking, you know. We have we support some missions down in Haiti. And uh one of my actually the vice president of our ministry, it's his that's his mission down in, in Haiti. And uh, you know, when the kids were growing up, you know, they say, I'm done, huh? You know, I don't want any more food, you know, whatever it was. And and you know, they're like, just throw it away. I don't want it. You know, maybe you buy them a hammer or something, they'd eat half of it and then want to throw it away. I said, think about the mission. You know, think about the people in Haiti. Think about the people over in Africa who, you know, that would be like a meal for a week, and you're going to throw it in the trash. You know, yeah. and I mean that's yeah. You know, we use that to to bring to remembrance just how blessed we are. You know, what we think of is, eh, I'm done with it. Throw it out. You know, there are some people that you know that that would you know they take a hamburger and feed eight people with it or something. You know, what I mean it's it's. You know, it's really tragic. We we chuckle, but it's tragic the conditions they live in. I mean, I've been in several different countries and, you know, you see the kids on the side of the road just gaunt, you know, and, you know, you want to do something, but you can't do something for everyone. So you got to be selective in where you put your resources. But that's the problem is a lot of people, they don't want to provide resources you know, and, and trying to get them to understand, you know, they, they talk about the, the films on television, you know, the commercials and stuff with, you know, the poor kids and all that. And they say, Oh, they're just doing that. You know, not all that money really goes to them. They got to pay for the commercial and all that. Yeah. But if a million people gave a dollar each, they could do the commercial and impact, you know, but yeah, this missions work is tough. It really is. It is really a tough thing to, to do because like you said, That one family, you know, you want to do something, but that's just one family. What about the other thousand families?
2: And you have to be careful. You have to be careful when you're like, usually when you do stuff, it's always through the local church there Mm -hmm. because you don't want to be perceived as the rich gringos, you know, coming over. Um, One other thing I do want to mention that I think is really important because, you know. All of us Christians over here in the United States, you know, some of us have like dynamic spiritual lives. And but there's still a difference between the spiritual lives here and then in a third world country, because I've noticed that these people like they have nothing, but their faith is so strong. And I I realize it's stronger than most yeah. And what's interesting, yeah. I believe that you know the distractions we have over here. You know, we have so much. That's the problem. I think that when you have so much, it's really hard to depend on God. Whereas, whereas they really do have to depend. They have to depend on God for their next meal.
1: Yeah, exactly, one hundred percent. That's why Jesus told you know about the rich young ruler, right? Mm-hmm. And he said it's hard for rich people to get into heaven. Because they think they can do it all themselves,
2: you know? Yeah. It, that, that story always gets me because you yeah. di- the guy just didn't get it. I yep. feel so, you know, I feel so bad.
1: <laughs> yep. Amen. Amen. Well, let's shift gears a little bit, move over into social media. I know social media can be very useful. I mean, uh, there for a while I was on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and LinkedIn and all of that. And then one day, it several years ago, I was doing my normal routine, going in and, you know, doing my connections and commenting and all that. And four or five hours had gone by before I even realized it. And I had really accomplished zero work on things that I had to do that day. It felt like I had been sucked into a great giant vortex of comments, likes and shares, and I couldn't escape. And that's my view of social media. You know, I know I have to have a presence, but I turned to basically automating my posting services so I could make sure I got the information out that needed to be out and, and not waste a lot of time by going over there and looking at cat pictures and what people are eating for breakfast and stuff like that. Uh, you know, I know I'm limiting my ability to network, but the question I have for you starting all this off, did you ever experience that when you started out on social media?
2: Yeah, I think we all go through that day where you realize that you've spent a whole five, six, seven hours watching TikTok videos or watching back in the day before TikTok, there was YouTube or reading the feed and stuff. But like, because this is my business, it was a little different. I had to separate. Do I spend a lot of time online? Probably do. Um, But it's usually all very purposeful now, you know, and I it's funny. Um, there is a lot of noise out there. There is a lot of, there's so much that's getting thrown at you on, on social media, but the one thing you do have to pay attention to is you want to make sure you're paying attention to if somebody's writing on your posts, you know, or, or because you don't want to be that person that ignores somebody that has asked the question, Or you know, set something of value on one of your posts. So all to say that you don't have to be on twenty four seven, but you want to make sure you do have your notifications on, just so you don't miss something. But now, I mean, I don't spend a lot of time at all scrolling and looking at what other people are doing. Um, I'm pretty much all business, and with when it comes to my business, personal now is a different thing. If I'm at the restaurant or waiting in line somewhere. Yes, I go on and I watch a TikTok video and crack up. But it hit it's a big problem for a lot of business owners. That's yeah. why I love the fact that there is automation tool, tools. And I highly recommend getting some kind of, you know, automation tool whether it's Hootsuite or Buffer or Later, whatever you want, you know, there's Social Pilot, there's like, I mean, there's sev- several. I'm just naming the four that came to my mind right now. But Make making sure this way you have time to plan it out strategically because yeah. there is best times to post for your audience. So you yeah. just want to make sure. And if you find yourself going down that slippery slope of uh, then maybe just walk away from it and do something else or delegate it to someone else. This way you're not looking at, you know, five hours of somebody's dog or cat.
1: Yeah. Amen.
2: <laughs> well, how, how can
1: how can you walk that fine line be- between providing information and just outright self-promotion, you know, especially yeah. if you're posting on other people's pages or in, in groups and stuff like that. Cause sometimes that gets you banned.
2: Yeah. And so here's the thing I have, like, I don't know. It's like, the idea is, especially for someone like me is that social media isn't a necessity for people you know it's the one thing in business i f- i feel that it is a necessity so let me restate that it is a necessity but most people don't feel like it's a necessity it's it's an afterthought and and so what i was going to say with that is that I lost my train of thought.
1: <laughs> you said so social sorry. media is a
2: necessity. No, but what was your question?
1: Oh, uh how you walk that fine line between, you know, getting the information out and self-promotion, especially when you're posting in people's Facebook groups and stuff like that.
2: Okay. So because it's a necessity, social media and I feel like you have to be there social media i don't think was meant to be a 24/7 by my stuff and, and the problem with that is this if you're always shoving your stuff down people's throat it becomes like the you know the teacher in charlie brown blah blah <laughs> blah and it really does and so what i like to do is that so for social media because not a lot of people understand that and that's what i do i try to educate people on um, the value of social media, what it can be for them. And that if you if you give a lot of value up front first, I really believe that like one or two posts a week on self-promotion will do. And in some cases, no self-promotion. You know, you always have to ask. You should be asking somebody to do something on the platforms. You know, like follow the post, comment below. It doesn't always have to be by my $6 million program. It, it could be as little as, you know, if you resonate with this, what are some of the things you think along the, these lines? Comment below, follow me on, if you like some of the information I give on Facebook, follow my blog. I mean, so there's, there's ways. And remember, it's like, you always have to be making sure that you're keeping your audience engaged. And that's a very hard hard thing to do with all the noise that's on social media. So you want to be that person that sticks out. And and that's what I try to do with my, with my marketing and the same with my clients. What is their, what is their one thing that helps them stick out? And I think that's so important.
1: Yeah. Amen. Amen. Which social media platform did you start on when you started promoting your business?
2: I started on Facebook and Because Instagram wasn't there yet. And Mm -hmm. I moved over. I mean, my favorite platform right now is LinkedIn. It's I'm like known as the LinkedIn Super Ninja. And I'm really good at LinkedIn. And that's where all my that's I get a lot of clients through LinkedIn. And that's that's my sweet spot.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. How important is the power of connection, especially in running a business like yours?
2: I think it's really important. So I do a lot of in-person networking and I feel that that face-to-face is so much better than the online space because it takes, you know, where say it takes about two or three times to get that no like, and trust going on with in-person. It probably takes more than 30 times. So people are going to yell at me for this, but Seriously, I have some people that are following me now that are like raving fans that I know it took about 30 times for them to know, like, trust me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because they have to see the consistency and and the integrity. Uh, you know, yeah. it's like, like, oh, thank you for the connection. I mean, th- this, uh, uh, this just gets under my skin. You know, thank you for the connection. I have a, this, uh, you know, coaching program that I sell and can I send you a link so you can check it out? And and can we, can we get together for a, a quick chat and, and tell me what you're doing? And, and you know what, it, they're, they're just trying to sell you, you know, I mean, yeah. granted, I'm trying to do the same thing, but that's why I see through it. You know, uh, you know, you have to, like you said, you have to get to that know, like, and trust party. Let's, Let's just follow each other and see, you know, if there is something there, you
2: know. And here's the thing. Not everybody's meant to do business with you. However, when you're connecting with somebody for the first time, now I know things are different nowadays, but, you know, I had a hard rule when I was growing up that I didn't kiss on the first day. Okay. And this is basically what these people are doing. They're going right from just met you. So I want to go all the way, <laughs> you know? And it's like, instead of going with, we just connected, how could we make this relationship better? Because if you think of it in that terms, that this is a human, yes. You know, for those sales people out there, you know, that, you know, have to do the hard sales code. It's quota. It's a number and it's a numbers game. And we, we all know the fact that the more people you reach, the more chance you have of getting a client. But what if you just tried to have a relationship with someone? I am and perfect example of this is I went to a networking event event one day. This was way before COVID. So I was networking about two or three times a week. And it was um, a chamber event, like, you know, those chamber events. And I was having a discussion with a bunch of people. And this one guy had a band. And he was talking about his band and everything. He says, not a lot of people. It's really hard to get people to come out. And so I just asked questions. And I said, have you tried this? Have you done, you know, do you do anything on social media? And I was just asking questions. And then I was telling him about my husband's band. Apparently, there was somebody that was listening to that conversation. And they called me about two weeks, three weeks later. And you know, they asked me some questions about like what I do. And the next thing, you know, they signed me on in January as a, you my client. I didn't even talk about my business. Yeah, I just yeah. asked questions, you know, and because I was forming a relationship. And when I go to those networking events, I never tell people, if they ask me what I do, I'll, I'll say what I do, but I don't go into a spiel. It's like, Oh, do you want to, do you have anybody doing your social media? That's not the que- that's not the next question. The next question, the better thing to ask is, what's been a challenge for you lately in your business? Because yeah. then you get to know them a little bit, yep. you know. Because hey, not um, everybody's a good fit right. for you. Yeah. You know, that's how I look at it. Is like, um, yeah, it's 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 a different kind of. Um, I I feel like if you're not forming relationships. Like, everybody that, like, for instance, I have my own podcast. Everybody that I have talked to, I formed a relationship with. We keep in amen. touch. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, th- I think that's the best thing ever.
1: Yeah, amen, amen. Hey, folks, Pastor Bob here. We're all out of time for this portion of this great interview with Lorraine Duncan. Uh, you know... <laughs> He has a lot going on, but she is so full of energy. I mean, beyond her entrepreneurial endeavors, I mean, she's devoted a significant portion of her life to missionary work through her church. She, she uses social media to promote her work in third world nations. And, and she's an encourager in the body of Christ to help raise funds for these projects and then be a blessing to these projects. I mean, folks... This is just part one of what turned out to be a great two-part interview with Lorraine Duncan. So be sure to return for the conclusion of this interview in the very next episode. In the meantime, drop down in the show notes, click the links right there, get in touch with Lorraine Duncan, but be sure to come back for the very next episode as we conclude this discussion. From Lorraine Duncan and myself, it's Pastor Bob reminding you to be blessed in all that you do.